Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I don't know if this is uh, a good thing or a bad thing, but it happened. I ha- I was uh, last week on vacation. And I happened to be in Central Oregon and I turned on uh, one afternoon a uh, Pac-12 Network production that was basically Oregon State's game against Washington last year with no uh, no commercials, with no uh, interruptions between the plays. It was a 60-minute time commitment. And I watched that damn thing. And you know what I came away thinking? Oregon State plays hard. It's resilient. It, it, it epitomizes Jonathan Smith uh, as a team. But at some point... I'm waiting for Oregon State, maybe it will happen this year, to start to blossom a little bit more. They blossomed last year. Do they have another step forward in them? Here to talk about it, Nick Dashiell of the Oregonian. You can read him on Oregon Live. Dashiell, can they take another step forward? Does it feel like they're ready to do that? I think so. I think the, what makes them give the possibility of taking a step forward is, is the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they haven't been... I mean, we, we all know how bad this defense was when Jonathan took over the program in 2018, and it slowly got better. And then with Trent Bray taking over this year, they seem to have, you know, a little bit more, even, even a little bit more energy and, and, and playmaking. And, and then you throw in all the veterans they got on that side of the ball. I mean, there's a possibility the defense might be the best side of the ball for this team this year. And if that's the case, then – yeah, any record you want to throw out there outside of maybe 11 or 12 and 11, 1, 12 and 0 is, is possible if, if the defense is really as good as it's looked in camp. Because I think I think the offense will be fine. Bigger, faster. I heard that report from somebody who watched practice uh, in the last two days. Bigger, faster. Are you seeing that? Um, you know, bigger. I I don't know. Faster. Yes, I just think what it is is, I don't know, they have a lot of, you know, sure, certain NFL guys on the defensive side. You know, Rajon Wright, obviously, is, is a guy, and there's probably a couple other guys that, that will we'll get a shot. But what they do have is they have a lot of good college football players that have played a lot of football. And you, you, you get that combination in, in college, I just think, you know, and, and if they know what they're doing – and they seem to know what they're doing. I, I think it's going to make for, uh, again, I, I'm, I'm leery to step out and say this is going to be a great defense because sure enough, Boise will put 40 on them. But I, I, it just looks like one that's, that's going to be one of the better defenses we've seen at Oregon State you know, in the past 10, 12 years. This is interesting. Is Do you feel like, because we saw, I think, you know, in the last couple of years, Tim Tibisar struggle. Trent Bray, is it all Bray? Is it some Bray? Is it personnel? What do you think? 
Well, Tim's defense was more react to react to things, and and Bray is going to take the ga- it's going to take the game to the to the offense. Yeah, they're going to attack, and they're going to do it unpredictably. They're going to they're going to they're going to send guys from different angles that that maybe opponents haven't seen from Oregon State in recent years, and they've got some guys capable of doing it. They're outside linebacker, outside linebackers, you know, at least through the top four. They can get to the quarterback. The defensive line, it's not the best in Pac-12. It's probably not even close to the best in Pac-12. But it's 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 good. It's good enough. And that, and for Oregon State, that's that that's that's a step forward because it hasn't been good enough. Say maybe the first three years of Smith, you got linebackers. The inside linebackers know what they're doing. They're making they're, they're making plays. And that secondary, that secondary might be the best in the Pac-12 this year. It, mm. it, it just might be with all the guys. They got two two corners that could play in the NFL. They've got three or four safeties. If, if Alton Julian is able to come back, he was he was a big time player last year before he got hurt. Um, you know, they've got so much experience there. I, yeah, I mean, it's just and, and and Bray just he he just he just kind of is is the is the, I guess for lack of a better term the kind of the secret sauce this whole thing because. I think he's been sitting there for three, four, five, six years, you know, wondering, you know, when I get my turn, this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, they just look like they, they're, they're going to be aggressive. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how that translates these first couple games because they're not going to be easy. But, but I, think, I think they're going to have a pretty good defense. Nick Daschle covers Oregon State like none other. Chance Nolan at quarterback. Uh, feels like he's the likely starter in week one, and yet we saw Jonathan Smith name Tristan Jebbia as a team captain. Is that Jonathan just rewarding the good soldier, and, hey, he may be a team captain but not necessarily the starter, or what's going on there? Well, Jonathan's not naming the captains. That's a vote of the team. And, you know, Tristan's a, he's a likable guy, and he's, he's, you know, he's, been a good, he's been a good team player all along. I, I mean, I, was a, I guess I was a little surprised because, I mean, I'll, I, I don't think he's going to be first or second. I could, I, I could be wrong, but I don't think he's going to be first or second team. Um, but yeah, Chance is going to be. I'll just, I'll be, I'll be shocked if Chance isn't the quarterback. But, but I know they like Gulbertson, so I think they, 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 they like what they got in their first two guys. And Jebby has proven he could, he could play at the Pac-12 level. He just maybe isn't quite the playmaker those two are. So they're, they're fine at quarterback, I think. What what is it that Nolan is doing now that maybe he couldn't do a year ago? And, uh, and and by the way, I was watching that Washington game on replay. He had a really bad turnover in that game in Oregon State territory, and it was that kind of play where I was like, "Gosh, that's got to kill Jonathan." There were just some moments where Chance made some bad decisions last year. He took too many chances, so to speak. Oh, that was yeah, that was his worst game of the season. But yeah. Are you talking about the one down by the goal line yep. where he's trying to where he's trying to scramble to the sideline? He picks yep. the ball, kind of the ball kind of comes out of his hand when he scrapes it on the ground. And yeah, I, yeah, Jonathan was about he about came out of his skin on that one. But um, yeah, no, that was one of his. I think Chance is just a little bit better at everything, and the thing he had to get better at was was hitting the hitting the intermediate to deep balls with some more accuracy. I mean, they're not expecting a hundred percent on those. But he's got to start hitting some of those, and in practice, at least he was he, he was he was better. I'm not saying he's he's gonna he's gonna light it up for 450 in a given game, but 
he's um, he's better in that regard. I think he just has a better command of the offense. He, he's I think he's a little more confident, you know, running the ball when when it needs to. I think at times, you know, he kind of he kind of even pulled that back a little bit because he didn't want to be known as the guy just to scramble at the first, you know, at the first hint of trouble. And I think he, he's a little bit more confident in what he can do with his legs. So I just think he's a little bit better at everything. And, and that, that alone should make him one, you know, probably among the, probably among the top five or six quarterbacks in the PAC 12. He's not going to be, I wouldn't say he's, you know, one of the top two or three, but, but he's definitely going to be, he's definitely going to be, you know, middle, middle to upper middle. Oregon State's got good running backs, good running game. Uh, I love their offensive line play with Jim check the coach there. Tight end Luke Musgraves is, you know, he's got he's a guy who's going to play in the NFL. Um, wide receiver though is a question. Do they Anthony Gold? Do they have somebody that can hurt a defense if it cheats up and starts to take away those, you know, eight to fifteen yard intermediate routes? Yeah, I kind of grilled Brian Lingren a little bit about that the other day. Just, you know, I wanted to know, you know, who who, who do you have that's going to get deep? And um, he he thinks overall they've got better speed than they've ever had at receiver in the five years he's been there. Um, and Gould is one of those guys. But I think Treshawn Harrison's sneaky, sneaky fast, and he's and he's definitely a good receiver. So I think he's a the guy they're they're hoping is going to is going to get downfield. And occasionally, Tyjon Lindsey will will be able to will be able to hurt him hurt teams deep too. Now it's going to be up to Nolan to hit him. But those those three, I know they've always thought Irish was going to be that guy that was going to you know take the top off of defense, and he hasn't really proven it yet. But I, I think he's starting to come around a little bit and, and sort of come into his own. So he might be a guy that steps up in that in that role too. But they're going to go seven deep there, and I'm I'm curious to see how they how they deploy those seven guys. I thought at times they played, they, they played a little bit. They they, they had, they, they were a little bit too fair with everybody, and so everybody played last year at times. So I thought, you know, how about getting some guys into some rhythm? Maybe, you know, maybe dial it down to four or five guys at times just to see if guys could get into a rhythm. And I'm not saying that they're going to do that, but I've asked that that question. I, I got the impression that's not off the table that. You know, there there may be some games where they, you know, they 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 maybe only go with three or four guys and and you know see if they can get into a into a rhythm. Nick Dashel, you can read him on Oregon Live, follow him on Twitter. He covers Oregon State like none other. Give me an idea of Jonathan Smith's evolution. I've been around him some. We're going to have him on this show on a weekly basis during the season. We watched him grow last year. How has he changed with his practices, procedures? sort of his temperament, uh, dealing with the media. Uh, who is he now, and how is it different than maybe a year or two ago? Well, he, he's, he's a little more open with, with, with the media. He was, he was pretty guarded his first couple of years. I'm not saying he didn't say anything, but, you know, he was always he was leery about what he might say and how that might you know be perceived. I think he's a little more open now than, than he used to be. It just comes with being a head coach five years, you're just a little bit more comfortable with what, with what you're able to do. I'm sure you've probably noticed that too. And talking to him, you know, weekly over the years, he's just, he's willing to give a little bit more. Um, but he's also, he's also become, on the other hand, he's also become more of a college football coach these days. And that he's, 
is a little more paranoid, and they're, I mean, they're starting to close down practices more and more earlier in camp, and you know, and don't want to. You know, they got, you know, they got security guards outside. They start having security guards outside the the uh, practice field last year, and things like that. So, you know, he's. A, I think he just he, he, he and and he's a little bit more comfortable about taking chances in games. I don't. Oh, he took a lot of chances, you know, early on. But the last couple of years, he's taken chances, and I can't, I can't see him back off this year. I think, I think, you know, he, I, when he thinks there's a chance to put, when they have a chance to put their foot on somebody, or, or you know, if they're maybe overmatched a little bit in a game, I think he'll take chances in both those situations. Dashiell, you know, we've watched this team have an identity as. You know, it plays hard, it's resilient, it runs the football. It, it's not, I, I feel like it does a disservice to the talent of the kids when you say they play hard or, they, or they're resilient. You know, this is a talented team. How much more talent do they have right now than two years ago in your mind? You mean the old lunch bucket you? Or yeah. It used to be known as, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's a little. I mean it's. I guess I guess it's sort of a backhand, you know, backhand compliment to a, to a program when all you talk about is how hard they play. But but yeah, sure the talent. I mean they're they're you know first of all first they were able when John first started. I mean they were lucky to get your your middle of the road three star recruits, and then they started bringing in transfers who who were former four star guys at other places. And it's just little by little they've been able to upgrade the talent, you know, little by little. And I mean, I think this recruiting class they got, if they can hang on to it, it's it's going to be by far the best class that that Jonathan signed. And and I and I'd have to go back for sure, but I think this last year they they didn't really go too deeply into the transfer portal this last year because I think they liked the talent they got on the team. And I mean, it's just the, you can tell the speed. It's 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 a faster team. It's a more physical team. It's a little bit bigger team. It's just, you know, all, all in all, it's just, you know, more athletic. And every just little by little, they're getting better. You know, the one area that they'll always have issues with is getting a big defensive tackle. I mean, that, that's whatever everybody wants, those guys. And they're just, I, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Or, or very rarely will they be able to get a guy like that. But that's, other than that, all the other positions, it's, they, they, they've significantly upgraded. I mean, the, the, the safety or the, the defensive back position—it's it's gone up significantly over over Smith's tenure. The the talent back there—it's it's night and day over the five years. Opener against Boise State, then Fresno State—two tough games to start. I could see uh, Oregon State going two and zero. I could see him going zero and two. How are you feeling? Yeah, it's. I mean, you look at those first five games, and I mean, it, it's anywhere between probably four and one and one and four. I mean, it, and you, they, they could play, they could play well and be one and four because USC, Utah, Boise State, Fresno State. I mean, they're all teams that are sniffing around the top twenty-five if they're not in the top twenty-five, and you know, playing at Fresno State, shoot that that's probably the toughest road game they're going to have all year. I mean, I I don't know many people are actually picking Oregon State to win that game. I'm not saying they won't, but but uh, but that's going to be a very difficult game. So, I mean, anything's possible. I, I, I think, 
you know, you're never going to get Jonathan or anybody to say this, but I, but I think if they can come out of those first two games with a split, that 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 will feel that will feel good. You know, you, I just you don't want to come out of those first two games zero and two. And then I've I've been saying for a while, you know, the next step for this program, if you want to be a good program, you got to win your opener at some point. I mean, it's been 2015 since you won an opener. I mean, go win an opener. That, that'd be a, that'd be a good starting point to, to show that you that you've taken another step. So, I, I, I think that 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 would be a good you know good place to start with this team is win that opener. Is there is there angst in Corvallis about the future of the conference? I mean, I guess there's hand wringing going on everywhere, but Washington State and Oregon State are in a particularly precarious position in that. If this conference two years from now, four years from now, splinters, they don't have a easy path to get to, uh, you know, where the halves are. Is that causing any extra anxiety in that footprint, or is it kind of out of the control of everybody, and so you don't worry about it? You know, yeah, that it's it's. I mean, you could tell there's maybe a little bit of anxiety, but boy. I mean, getting Scott Barnes to talk about anything other than he, he is so on message with, with, with what Oregon State's future is. You know, it's all about staying together. We're going to stay together. I mean, you can't get him to go anywhere off script on that. So it's hard to tell what he's thinking. And, you know, I think Jonathan is, at this point, it's one of the things out of his control. And that's the coaches are, you know, this stuff's sort of out of their control. And, and they can worry about it, but it doesn't really do them any good. So I think they just they gotta they gotta let things play out. I think at this point they don't really have a ton of leverage. I I, I don't think, or maybe maybe you think differently, but I mean, just the leverage is just not there. They just have to be supportive and and hope this the conference stays together. I will be in Atlanta for Georgia Oregon in week one, but I will see you in Fresno week two, Dash. It'll be good to see you in the press box. Thanks for joining us. Sure, we'll see you. There he is, Nick Dashel of the Oregonian covers Oregon State, does a great job at it as well. I'll talk about the future of the Pac twelve conference in the next segment. Are you anxious? Some of the Pac twelve teams are. I had one athletic director tell me if one more school leaves it's run for the hills. But I don't think another school is leaving, not in the short term. I'll tell you why next. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. What's going to happen to the Pac-12 conference? Some gloom and doom out there. The gloom bots. The doom droids. That's what I'm calling you. If you are a gloom and doomer out there who's predicting the demise of the Pac-12 conference. I'm going to say something here and, you know, I want you to remember it when it comes true. Do I think the Pac-12 conference is going to exist in its present form forever? No, I would bet against that. I think the Pac-12 is likely to expand Probably will add some teams. It may lose some teams at some point. College football looks dramatically different right now than it did a decade ago, two decades ago. Look at what happened to the bowl season. What I do think is going to happen, though, in the short term, and I want to focus on the short term for a second because I think it's important. Like, you know, 
We talk about, you know, the two days you can't control yesterday, you can't control yesterday. Tomorrow, you can't really control tomorrow. All you can control is today. And so I think that's where the Pac-12 is living right now is in the space that it can control. It cannot probably bring UCLA and USC back into the conference. But what can it do now? And so right now, I think ESPN, I think it was really interesting yesterday, and I wrote about this, and you want to read it in much more depth and see the data, you know, go to johnconzano.com and get a free subscription or get a paid subscription, whatever works for you, and look at the data. So I asked Bob Thompson, the former Fox Sports Network's president, to do something for me about three weeks ago. I asked him to do some crunching of numbers. I was really kind of focused on what it would take to, you know, hold the members together and would uneven revenue sharing be something that the Pac-12 would investigate? And so I gave Bob Thompson a task. I said, crunch some numbers and create a formula for me because he's been involved in all these media rights negotiations as an executive at Fox. I said, crunch some numbers for me and tell me what Washington, Oregon, Stanford, Oregon State, Washington State, you know, tell me what everybody's worth. And tell me what you think the Pac-12 is going to get from ESPN if it stays in its present form with 10 teams. And Thompson did that. And he got back to me within a few days. This was weeks ago. I didn't publish it at the time because he and I talked and he said, gosh, you know, there was so much going on. There was so much turmoil. There was all this stuff out there. The, the doom bots and the, the gloom droids were out and they were going, you know, Oh, this conference is doomed. It's going to splinter, whatever. They've been saying that for weeks. And he said, you know, are we, are we opening up ourselves for criticism if something happens like in the next 24 hours? So we kind of sat on it. And then today, 538, and Nate Silver does this great job at 538, that website. He came out with like the Big Ten and probably how they view all of the college football landscape. And so Thompson and I got to talking and said, well, maybe now it's time, time to publish this. So what we did is Thompson looked at what he thinks ESPN and others will give the remaining Pac-12 teams. And then he went market by market, and he judged the programs on brand, television market, fan support, men's basketball, Olympic sports. He has a huge formula, and I can get into it, and I'll geek out on it in the next hour. But what we published, I think, is pretty interesting, and I think it's going to be the Rosetta Stone for what's going to happen in the Pac-12. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.